gather around as we spill the tea on cybersecurity. We're talking about the topic in a way that everyone can understand. I'm your host, Jarrah Rowe, giving you just what you need. This is the Tea on Cybersecurity, a podcast from Trava. Cyber risk assessments. That is a term we talked a lot about in season one, but we never fully gave it its actual definition. But don't worry, that is exactly what this episode is about. We are going to dive into cyber risk assessments, why they are important, what should be done with one, and everything in between. But as we know, I am not the expert. But I do have one of my favorite cybersecurity experts with me today, Jim Goldman. So for someone that may not have listened to any of the episodes that you were on on season one, can you go ahead and give an intro of yourself? I'm Jim Goldman, CEO and co-founder of Travis Security, headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. We are a cyber risk assessment and management company. We have a platform, a product, a software product that does risk and vulnerability assessment and management. And then we complement that with services. So we basically take companies and organizations from where they are to where they need to be in terms of their cybersecurity and compliance posture. Perfect. In other words, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) All right. So let's jump right into it. What is a cyber risk assessment and why are these assessments important? When it comes to cybersecurity, people sort of immediately shut their brain off and say, it's too complicated. I can't understand it. And so I often use analogies because I I think that's the best way to understand it. And so a cyber risk assessment is nothing more than a diagnosis. And so if you look at it from a medical standpoint, right, you have a suspicion that something's wrong. You don't know what's wrong and therefore you don't really know what to do to fix it, right? And so you go to a professional, a specialist, whatever, and maybe to an emergency room, whatever. And the first thing that happens is you got a diagnosis done. And sometimes it's a series of questions. You could say it's almost like answering a survey to determine what the symptoms are. And then there are some more objective tests, right? Blood tests, et cetera, et cetera. It's no different with cyber risk assessment. There is a survey component. Which of these things are you doing? Are you not doing? To what extent are you doing them, et cetera? And many times people will say, well, I never even thought of that. I never even thought that was a possibility. Again, going with the diagnosis analogy. And then there is the more technical, the more objective testing. So our vulnerability scanning is the equivalent of the blood test, right? It's objective, measurable data Numbers don't lie, right? Here's the facts. You've got these symptoms. You've got these vulnerabilities. That's really it is. You put that together, just a medical professional would. They'd listen carefully. They'd take notes. That's the survey part. And then they would combine it with, and what does the objective testing data say? We do the same thing. We ask questions. Sometimes we provide a survey You know that assesses maturity in different areas of your cybersecurity program. And then we do the objective testing. We put those two things together. And that's what, at least here at Travel, we call our baseline cyber risk assessments. Here's your health report. If you would like to engage us to help fix these things, to help you get to a better health status, 
we're here to do that for you. So why would a company even conduct a risk assessment? So it's almost like, let's start with what if they don't do that? You know, what if they don't do anything at all? And this is where a lot of companies get stuck because they don't even know where to start because they don't have a lot of extra money to spend on solutions. So it's almost like they get petrified for lack of a better word. In other words, they know they need to do something. They don't know what it is they need to do. They don't want to waste money. Therefore, they do nothing. And they just get paralyzed in the whole thing. As opposed to getting the diagnosis, which, oh, by the way, gives them a prioritized list that says, okay, if you're going to spend money, Travis says, spend it on this first, this second, this third, all right? And here's exactly what to do in terms of, do you need a policy? Do you need a process? Do you need to buy some technology? What have you? That kind of thing. And so it's almost, you could look at it as a treatment plan, right? Once we do the assessment, we also give you the treatment plan. So for companies, is there typically something that happens that make them like, oh, I should do this? Or is it just general knowledge? Like we're in a place where we should probably take cybersecurity more seriously. That's a really good question. And so it's like, where's the motivation to take action come from? And so it can be a variety. The worst case scenario is they have an incident of their own, right? And then it's almost like too late. I think what's more likely is they hear a story of a colleague, another business owner that they're familiar with had an unfortunate circumstance. And then it's like, whoa, that, the, now it's starting to hit close to home. This is real. My company could be next. That's a motivation. I think the other big motivation that we see with our customers is they run into a customer or a potential customer of theirs that says, tell me about your cybersecurity program, and they don't have a good answer. And so a lot of our customers don't really have a program to speak of. We've never done a cyber risk assessment. We don't have a lot of extra money to spend, so we have to be real careful about what we do and where we invest. But we know that our business is not going to be able to grow. We're not going to be able to acquire the customers that we really want to in the future unless we get more mature in this area. And so that's a strategic business motivation. So I know with some type of businesses, some industries, where there are some that may not think they're as vulnerable as other industries, but is this something that all companies should do? Is it a requirement or is it just something that it's a good to have? I hate to use the word it depends, but it depends. Now let's talk about trends. So Certain industries, yes, it's absolutely required. It's regulated. It's the law, right? Other industries are sort of headed that way. So in saying that, what I'm getting at is, although a given business may not be required by law to do this today, it would be wise for them to start to look into this because the day is going to come when it is required by law. And then all of a sudden, they're going to have a deadline. They're playing catch up et cetera, it's going to be more abrupt and more drastic and uplift for them as opposed to being a little bit proactive. The other thing that I would say is regardless of the regulatory necessity or the regulatory motivation, the fact of the matter is 
small and medium-sized businesses are, are actually a more likely target than large enterprise customers because what you have to understand is cyber criminals are incredibly opportunistic. They are going to go for what they perceive to be the easiest mark. Enterprise companies tend to be better protected. I'm making generalizations, but they've got the budget, they've got the people, et cetera. So they're probably better protected. Your cyber criminal is always looking for the easier mark. And so they know that small and medium-sized businesses are less protected, have invested less in this. So they're far more likely actually to hit a small or medium-sized business. The other really good point that you made is small and medium-sized businesses have this mistaken perception that there's nothing of value and therefore they bury their head in the head and say, well, you know, cyber criminals aren't going to be interested in us. We only do X, right? Well, actually that's not true because the, what cyber criminals are after is a couple of things. One is it's data. And a lot of companies don't realize the value of the data that they have. And then it's usually third-party data. It's not even their own data. It's their customer's data or that kind of thing. So now there's a lot of third-party liability involved. If you were to have a data breach, it's like all those people and companies that trusted their data with you, they're not going to be happy that it's now publicly accessible and out on the dark web for sale. Yeah. So I remember one of the things, one of the main things I took away from everything we talked about in season one was that you really need to start early on with all of these cybersecurity things because it takes a while. It takes a long time to even, you know, complete the cyber risk assessment, look at everything and then decide what needs to be done. So the earlier you start, the better, which could honestly save you time and money in the long run. Yeah, it takes time to do the assessment. It takes time to put together the treatment plan. And then it takes time to say, okay, how aggressively are we going to tick off all the objectives, all the steps that have been outlined in the treatment plan? Yeah. So speaking of this treatment plan, and we were just mentioning it a little bit, but what types of information do like the cyber risk assessments uncover? Yeah, it's a very good question. Trava doesn't make up like, here's the requirements for a good cybersecurity program. There are a lot of what are called frameworks out there, industry frameworks that have been put together by panels of industry experts. They're kept up to date, et cetera. And so there are a variety of different frameworks that, that we have available on our platform that our customers can use. For cloud-based companies, which most companies, many companies are these days, there's a framework called the Center for Internet Security version eight framework. And so that that's usually our default for most of our customers is we use that as our framework or our frame of reference. That particular framework and survey has 18 different control families. So it's 18 different categories of things you should be doing. And those things you should be doing all always include a policy, a process, and some type of technology or another, and then monitoring once you've implemented it. So usually, depending on the maturity of the customer, between five and I'll say nine of the 18 control families really need some work. Okay. So listening to you talk, something else like popped in my head. What is the difference 
or how do they work together? Um, frameworks and risk assessments. You bet. So a risk assessment has to be, you know, with some set of criteria over here. In other words, there has to be standard questions to ask. Again, going back to the medical diagnosis, right? You go in to see your doctor, you get asked the same set of questions every time, right? You know, any stomach pain, blah, 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 you know, are you sleeping well at night, et cetera. Well, you could look at each of those categories of questions as a control family. And so it's the same thing in cyber. It's like the equivalent of each of those categories of questions that your doctor is going to ask you. We're going to ask you the same standard set of categories of questions. And that standard set of questions, that's the framework. Okay. So how do we then prioritize like the risks or the vulnerabilities that were uncovered in these assessments? That's a very good question. So what we do is we start with which of the areas are you least mature in? Uh, You're not doing that much in this area, right? You don't have a lot of maturity in this control area. The next question we need to ask is, what's the worst thing that could happen as a result? That's called impact. What's the worst thing that could happen given you're not doing anything to protect this? You know, you have no controls in place in this area. The good news is because of history, we're pretty certain about the worst thing that could happen as a result of them not doing this. So we can say, all right, this is really bad. And then we rate the impact, relatively speaking, like low, medium, high, very high, critical, et cetera. And so what happens is those things that need the most acute, most immediate treatment are the ones with the highest probability and the highest impact. And that's really the underlying formula for risk. It's a multiplication thing. Do it on a colored table. One axis is probability. The other axis is impact. So it's like, how easy is this to exploit? How likely is it that an exploit could happen as a result of your lack of maturity in this control area? And then what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the impact if this weakness in a control family were to be exploited? So then, and then the probability times impact equals risk. So then you just prioritize based on highest risk to lowest risk. And that's how you start to pick off the priority that things should be fixed in. So how often should a company actually conduct a risk assessment? So at least annually, it's kind of like, how often do you go for a physical? Once a year, right? So at least annually, you know, do the full baseline cyber risk assessment. But then what industry best practice is, at least every quarter, the the senior management of the company and not just the security people, but literally the senior management of the company is getting together and looking at the deliverables that we give them, the risk register, the risk mitigation roadmap, the baseline cyber risk assessment, and having an honest conversation about how much progress did we make last quarter on our top priority risks? Are we moving fast enough? Are we comfortable with that? Have we committed the right resources in the right area in order to make the progress that brings down our overall risk to a point where senior management is comfortable. And that's a really important point because there's no right answer for everybody. And also the notion that you can eliminate, like 100% eliminate cyber risk, it's impossible, right? And so it is that how much do you want to invest versus how much risk are you willing to accept? Oh my gosh, so tough. 
<laughs> All right. So as we wrap up this episode, is there anything else you would like to hit home when it comes to risk assessments? I keep falling back to the health analogy. It's like, how many years would you go without having a physical? And do you want to wait until you're in acute pain, writhing on the floor, and that's the type of you, like, you go to the emergency and get a diagnosis? Chances are, it's going to be too late at that point. They're not going to be able to do a lot to help you as opposed to if you'd taken some preventative measures and had that annual physical, you'd probably be great. So, you know, switching it back over to the world of cybersecurity, get your annual checkup, which in our case is that baseline cyber risk assessment. What the hackers are doing, in other words, what the threats are, change, right? It's like there's always new viruses, new diseases in the air. You have to stay in touch with your physician. Same thing on cyber. The threats are always changing. You have to stay in touch with your cybersecurity assessment people so that they can say you were great last year, but this whole new thing has broken out and you're not protected against that at all. Oh, yeah. So in other words, make sure we're being proactive in our cybersecurity. Proactive is the key word. You nailed it. Oh, the tea was hot after we learned about cyber risk assessments. So I'm here to give you the receipts that I took away from the conversation with Jim. One, you can look at a cyber risk assessment similar to you going to the doctor to get a diagnosis of something that is going on. You will look at things like your policies and conduct vulnerability scans and things like that to get a treatment plan which, you know, is similar to you going to the doctor to get a diagnosis of your symptoms and they give you a treatment plan of, you know, what you should do over the next couple of days to feel better. The next receipt is cyber risk assessments are closely related to frameworks. And the assessment is dependent on the framework that you are trying to earn the certificate in. So, each framework does not have the same set of like controls that you need to meet. So what is being assessed is going to be different for each one. The next takeaway that I have is when you complete the assessment and you have your treatment plan and it shows you all of these issues, it's often like, how do I even prioritize this? And you prioritize on what is least mature or would make the most impact for your company. And again, not in a good way. You want to tackle the things that are going to, you know, disrupt your business first. And you can have cybersecurity experts help you with this entire process. And the last thing I took away is please be proactive. When it comes to cybersecurity, we all have to be proactive. So just like we go to the doctor annually for our physical we need to conduct these cyber risk assessments for our companies annually as well. So we can see what's good, what's not, what needs to be worked on, et cetera. So that wraps our episode on cyber risk assessments. I will see you for the next episode, which we are diving into frameworks. And that's the T on cybersecurity. If you like what you listen to, please leave a review. If you need anything else from me, head on over to Trava Security. Follow wherever you get your podcasts.